Hello, everybody. My name is Bruce Dixon. I'm a professor of political science and international affairs at George Washington University. Hello, everyone. My name is Yuan Yuan Ang. I am a professor of political science at the University of Michigan. Uh, Yuan has just recently published a, a wonderful new book on corruption in China that gives a, a different perspective on it. And uh, it reminded me of a observation several years ago from somebody in an international aid agency who said that even though China specialists are worked up about corruption in China, from their perspective, it's actually not that big of a deal because when they give aid to China, a little bit gets skimmed off. But if it's money for education or health care or poverty programs, almost all of it goes to the program intended compared to other countries. Um, does that fit with your uh, observation? Yeah, absolutely, Bruce. And well, before I answer your question, um, I wanted to, first of all, thank you for your endorsement, which appears on the cover of the <laughs> book. Uh, the book is called China's Gilded Age, The Paradox of Economic Boom and Vast Corruption. Um, and back to your question um, about the um, international aid Age, uh, aid agencies comment on China. Yeah, I think it's a really um, apt comment because the argument that I was trying to make in this book is that the type of corruption matters more than the overall perceived levels. Um, and because of the dominance of global corruption indices like the CPI, the Corruption Perception Index, we have placed excessive focus on this overall perception of corruption, which um, masks um, significant structural variation of corruption between, say, China, India, and Nigeria. And one of my key findings is that um, China's structure of corruption is much closer to countries like South Korea um, and the US. It is dominated by transactional elite corruption and it has actually done a remarkably good job of controlling embezzlement and petty bribery relative to other developing countries. Yeah, it's great to have a comparative perspective because a lot of times people will just offhandedly say, you know, China is the most corrupt country in the world. It's the most unequal country in the world. But when you actually do a comparison, you realize um, it, it may be bad, but it's not as bad as many other countries, peer countries at its level of development. Um, now, you had the, the uh, good fortune of writing this book and getting it published under Xi Jinping, where he had been carrying out an extensive anti-corruption campaign. Uh, it seems as though that campaign, campaign has come to an end, or at least become not as prominent in the news, not featured as much. Uh, has the party given up on fighting corruption? Um, I don't think so. I think they're still going strong at it. It's just that the times we live in are so chaotic that even anti-corruption has become something of a lower priority compared to other troubles. Um, but um, anti-corruption is still going on. It has there's a common argument about whether it's just um, an instrument of purging. We do see that being expressed recently in the um, indictment of the dissident, uh, Ren Zhiqiang, where he was um, accused of corruption. Uh, but one of my main findings is that 
in the anti-corruption campaign under Xi Jinping, the, um, pre the factor that predicts whether a city leader is investigated for corruption is primarily patronage, whether the higher level uh, patron falls or survives rather than performance. So that suggests that China is moving toward a personalist system. I, in the last minute, I want to quickly turn to your own paper, which looks at how anti-corruption has influenced public perceptions in China. Could you walk us through that quickly? Yeah, it ends up being a sort of um, almost counterintuitive uh, reaction by the public. On the one hand, corruption is deeply unpopular, and so an anti-corruption campaign seemed to work to Xi's advantage, giving him recognition for fighting corruption. Uh, people could see that uh, the local officials were not driving around their limos as much, not having banquets as much, and having immediate impact. But as a consequence of re revealing how much corruption there was, not just locally, where people knew local officials or believed they were corrupt, but at very high level officials as well. So uh, if you compare public opinion from before the campaign to during the campaign, the areas that had the most uh, greatest numbers of corruption investigations, uh, support for the central government and the, the, the central party declined. So on the one hand, I think she's hopeless that public opinion would, would uh, support the campaign but in the process, by exposing how widespread the corruption was and how high it went up into the political system, it actually undermined trust in the government and the party. That's fascinating. It means that this is a hot, this is a balancing act. Fight corruption, but not too much. 